Welcome to the Washington Has-Beens podcast. This is episode one on this historic day, Sunday, August 18th. I am Alec, the Avocado Martinez, and I am joined by my co-host, Tyler Gibson. Tyler, how are we doing today? We're doing well. Getting ready for fantasy season. Excited. little background on Tyler and I. Uh, we play in a multitude of leagues, 16-team, keeper league, 12-team, keeper league, 12-team redraft, 8-team redraft, 10-team keeper leagues. Uh, the only thing we really have not participated in thus far is auction and dynasty drafts. We've done some redrafts, or some, I'm sorry, some mocks and some different studying on those types of drafts, but we have not participated in those ourselves. Uh, we do have a lot of the uh, same research. We use a lot of the same materials, listen to a lot of the same guys, but we do have vastly different opinions on fantasy football. I know Tyler, for one, is very stats-oriented, but he, he goes with his guts a, gut a lot. I kind of tend to go against the grain more often than I should. It's probably why Tyler's been a little bit more successful than me in our, our league. Our league is the Washed Up Has-Beens League. It is a 10-team keeper league, uh, two keepers. One is determined by our ADP uh, from this year and from where we drafted a combination of the two uh, and the other one is just based on where we drafted him the year before. We get to keep him in that slot for a second year and then a third year if necessary. Uh, Tyler is the commissioner of that league. I'm the communications director, self-titled. Uh, I don't think the rest of the league has uh, voted me into that position. I just kind of named myself that. We will talk about our league quite often. Uh, you will have the opportunity to meet some of the different characters of our league uh, through our show. Um, they They will definitely be stopping by for visits and stopping in to uh, to give their opinions. You can also check out our Instagram page, just at Washed Up Hasbins. We will have uh, bios there for each of our players in our league. It's a very interesting league, an interesting group of characters. Tyler's brought in some guys, and generally it's a, a group of us from college, including the, uh, the lone female for all you female viewers out there, Ashley, Tyler's wonderful better half. Uh, she will definitely appear on the podcast from time to time. She keeps us sane uh, at times, don't you say, Tyler? Yeah, yeah. She uh, she keeps us in check. She's kind of our uh, our control for the league. You know, she uh, she might might be said that she plays it a little. Uh, she checks our egos. Know, yeah. She doesn't let our egos get get too much. She's not afraid to check us. Let's jump into things here. This year's draft is a little bit different than drafts in the past. Uh, before we touch on that, Tyler, I want to get your overall just for the listeners. What is your normal draft strategy? going into each season what are you trying to build how are you trying to build your team well going off of a half ppr uh, scoring system i mean you're definitely going to want to get one of those top tier running backs if you can um i mean this year you know there's some there's some question marks around a few of the high level running backs and uh you know, if you can just get one of those safe guys that you just know you can count on week in and week out and then just let the draft come to you from there, I mean, I think that's a that's a great strategy. It's kind of tough whenever you go in there with a rigid strategy and just, you know, you kind of you kind of handcuff yourself whenever you just say that I will, in this spot I know that I'm only going this position or this player because you, you never know what's going to happen and you just got to kind of roll with the punches. Tyler, this is something that I've noticed about you that, I, that I've started to kind of implement into my own draft strategy. You'd like to look further on into the season, into the playoff weeks. Why don't you touch on that a little bit for us? Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I consider. Um, you know, it's a, it's a combination of things. I mean, I, you know, you, you obviously everybody's going to take into consideration bye weeks. But, you know, one thing that people don't look at enough, I don't think, is number one, strength of schedule. Because, first of all, you've got to get to the playoffs to win the league. So early on, it's a lot of strength of schedule um, just in general. And then I definitely base my late season moves and trade acquisitions and just things like that based on playoff schedules for players. So there will, in all of my leagues, I will hone in on two or three guys that I'm pushing hard to make trades for just preparing for playoffs and the best possible outcomes. (laughs) Yeah, I... I, uh... I've I've started to do that into my own uh, own draft strategy more so though once the season gets started looking at that in trades, you you'll look at a guy who who early in the year he jumps off to four great games has a a really 
high value after four games, and you look at it, and he may be able to have sustainable success down the road. But you look at some of these guys that have lesser value, but you look at their their playoff schedule, and you, you benefit a lot from that. And, and I know that helped me win a league last year, uh, trading away a couple guys uh, for for a couple guys that maybe didn't have as high value at the time, but their playoff schedule is a lot more favorable for me, and it and it worked out. Uh, my draft strategy is typically very similar to Tyler. I, I want that star running back to build around. I think that's a, a key you're going to find with most teams in building your 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 draft strategy and how you want to go about things. You want to have that strong uh, running back to build around. However, I, I do things a bit differently uh, in terms of the quarterback and tight end play. Tyler's big on drafting tight ends and quarterbacks as late as he possibly can, getting the best value. And, and I see that and I, I understand that. But for me, I typically like to have two quarterbacks. I like to play the weekly matchups with quarterbacks just because there are so many quarterbacks that can produce at a high level. I like to be able to have that advantage. And then in terms of tight end, to me, I've always played along the thinking of wanting to win each position by as much as possible. So if I have the opportunity to get a guy like Gronk, like I had in the past, or obviously he's not in the league. So this year, looking to someone like Travis Kelsey, if he's available at an appropriate time and my team is able to fill out without reaching for him, then then I would go that route. George Kittle the same. I'm not big on Zach Ertz, which we'll, we'll talk about later, but uh, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, those are guys you would normally see on my team. I'm that guy that takes the the risk on a tight end early. And if I can't get one early, I'm still looking to get one before everybody else. Uh, I will, in this year's draft, a couple of those guys are like O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, and I think we'll probably talk about that on the next episode. But those are those are three guys that maybe other people are going to let slide again and, and reach for some of these 10th, 9th round tight ends. And that's just not how I play. I like to try to win at each position as best as possible. Uh, I do draft a lot of wide receivers. Uh, most of my late round flyers are not at running back. I typically try to build around one strong running back and two other running backs. And I, I don't carry that many running backs. Uh, obviously, it might change league to league based on how the draft falls to us. We understand that. But in my typical uh, prototypical way to build my team in the draft is uh, three strong running backs and roll with those three, pick up some on the waiver wire because there's it's destined to happen throughout the year. Uh, I will handcuff from time to time, but typically I'm trying to win each position uh, by having the best possible value at those positions without waiting too late. Yeah, and to touch on a couple of things that you're talking about there, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely see the value in the in the top tight ends. Um, I mean, if you can get a tight end that realistically has the potential to lead their team in targets, I mean, really, opportunity is is the number one thing that makes a tight end in fantasy football. So, I mean, just a lot of the guys just aren't going to be a focal point of the offense. And, you know, that's of no fault of their own. But, you know, when you got a guy like Travis Kelsey that has the potential to lead his team in targets, George Kittle, especially with what's going on with the wide receivers in San Francisco, I mean, who really knows how that's going to shake out? I mean, that's – George Kittle is going to be their rock there, I think, and – I mean, you know, even with a guy like Zach Ertz, I mean, I, I've, I've heard some stats and looked at some stats on uh, Evan Ingram, you know, without uh, Odell Beckham. And, I mean, he's, he's, produced, he's produced just fine. I think Ingram is, is a guy that, that we'll, look, we'll see have a very, very uh, successful year, depending on who's, who's a quarterback. I think that's going to be a big, big thing. And we'll talk about that more, uh, like I said, on the next episode when we, we talk about Evan Ingram. But – as for today, uh, we want to look first, we're looking first at our draft strategy. You've heard me and Tyler's. One thing that is important to note, though, is that although that is our how we typically like to go into a draft with the mindset, there is one major factor that changes everything, and that's our draft position. Obviously, our draft position will dictate how we build our team from there. We have our the way that we would like to do it, but we have to go with what the draft gives us. In this year's draft... Uh, I think that Tyler and I agree that in, in most drafts, I prefer, I think Tyler prefers to kind of be at the end, of the end of the first round, toward the end, and have those quick two turnarounds in this first and second round. You're able to get a, uh, <clears throat> a running back one and a wide receiver one. Typically at that turn, you, you're able to get both. However, <clears throat> I think in this year's draft, things are a little bit different. Uh, Tyler, you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, most years – 
you know, I, I kind of leave all the hype and everybody keying in on one guy and wanting to give it all up, you know, if they could just have the first overall pick and they want to be all in on this. But to me, I, I, have, I have the faith in my research and things that I'm doing that I, I'm not concerned with putting all, all my eggs in the basket of one running back. And so it doesn't, doesn't worry me to be at the end because I just know that I can make up for it and have just overall better depth uh, in that position. But this year, if you can get one of those top four or five picks and, you know, get one of those guys that we're talking about, there is so much wide receiver and even running back potential in the third and fourth. And there's some guys in the fifth round, too, that we're going to talk about that, I mean, could really just boom for you and, and be – major contributors to your team. Right. Talking about those first four or five picks, in this year's draft, there's a huge <clears throat> disparity in the first four guys. You're talking Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and, and David Johnson, if you want to throw David Johnson in there, and and probably Le'Veon Bell. I, I, me and Tyler are both kind of torn on Le'Veon Bell with his move to New York and what he's going to look like after missing a year. I still think he'll be successful. I still think he'll be an RB1. And I still think he'll be much better than uh, some of these guys that we look at in the second and third round. The problem is the drop-off at running back from Le'Veon Bell to the next highest guy is pretty significant. And so where you're left at with picks 6 through 10 in the first round is you're looking at wide receiver ones and then you don't have another chance at at a true RB1, undoubtable RB1, until you, you know, again in the draft. I think that there's only five this year. Typically in the past, you've got guys like Zeke, Gurley, and Gordon, and those are the big three right now that are that's causing this problem. With those three not being available, it it has really changed the landscape of the first round of the draft. If Gurley is is full go and you're not worried about the arthritis of his knee, uh, if Gordon is in camp, if Zeke's in camp, and I think me and Tyler both agree that Zeke will eventually play. We are Cowboys fans, so we're also hoping that he plays. But we, we both think that he will definitely play, but it's still hard to draft him with your your sixth pick in the draft. You want to take that leap, go ahead. But if you're going to be looking at, at top wide receivers and you don't have another chance to get a top running back, it's going to make things a little bit difficult. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your round two options at running back here in a little bit. Uh, but we, we look at what we're, what we're the point we're kind of getting at is in this year's draft, I think I would prefer to have one of those first four picks, get one of those top running backs, and when we come around to that third, fourth round turn, the the uh, the I'm sorry, the second, third round turn, into the second round, heading into the and then the beginning of the third round, you're going to be able to get a wide receiver one. This year's draft is deep on wide receivers, and that's just kind of the way that the league is moving. And then you're going to be able to get a very very solid RB two. Now, if you get stuck with the end of that draft, the end of the first round of that draft, you're going to get a wide receiver one. We, 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 we are going to talk about those uh, your options there here in just a second. But then you come around to the beginning of the second round, and you're going to get a, you're going to get a guy who will probably most likely finish in the top 10 to top 15 at running back. But he's not going to be a – top five guy, top three guy. He's not going to be a guy that you can anchor your team on. And I don't feel that any of the wide receivers that you're going to draft in the first round are those guys either. I think there's those four guys at the top of the table uh, that we mentioned earlier, McCaffrey, Kamara, uh, Barkley, and and Johnson, that have really separated themselves from the rest of the running back group. So uh, what we've kind of mentioned the most here is wide receiver depth, depth, and there is a lot of it. The first time you're going to get faced with that is going to be in the first round. Me and Tyler are going to introduce you to our first segment. This is the on-the-clock segment. What we're going to do is we're going to, get, we're going to talk about three guys in each round that when you get on the clock and you got to pick between those three, who are you going to take? Uh, the first round is going to be the, the big three wide receivers in Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, and DeAndre Hopkins. We're sorry, Julio Jones. You're right there on the cusp. But I think these three, and Tyler, I think you agree, are, are uh, more um, – reliable than Julio Jones. They get not only, obviously Julio has been very reliable, but he's had a lot of games where he's fallen off the map because he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. And then he'll also produce some of the, um, some of the best games in the league. Um, you see that over, over uh, the course of the last three years where he'll have weeks where he has, you know, eight, eight, I think seven of the eight largest weeks, you know, he'll, he'll, 
be up there at the top. And then you'll also see him with less than seven points in a few weeks, and that's just not what you want from your number one wide receiver. So Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins. Tyler, you're up first. Well, first thing I'm looking at here in a half PPR league is, I mean, while Michael Thomas, I think, is the clear leader in terms of he's going to get the most receptions and probably the most targets. Uh, I mean, with DeAndre Hopkins, obviously all these guys are going to be the lead dogs in their offense. Um, I think really what's what's going to pull me towards either Hopkins or Adams is going to be the touchdown touchdown upside. And, you know, as we've seen Adams be the leader in receiving touchdowns over the past few years, I mean, I just, I just think with Aaron Rodgers coming back this year, um, you know, maybe something to prove Green Bay's defense is still going to suck. Um, I mean, think, I think Devonta Adams would, would be my pick here. I mean, you know that you saw DeAndre Hopkins, he had a little injury, something that it's ended up being nothing to start off camp, but you know, just Stuff like that, I, I, I definitely think that Devontae Adams is going to be my pick here, if it, if it were mine. I think I, I definitely understand that. I think looking around at, at Devontae Adams and what he's surrounded with, the weapons that, uh, that he has on the rest of that team is not what it's been in the past. He doesn't have Jordy Nelson. He doesn't have Randall Cobb. Uh, he doesn't have that clear number two guy, Geronimo Allison, uh, Marquez Vantes, Scaldling. They're, they're all... Uh, Valdez canceling, excuse me. They're all battling for that two number two spot. I think Jake Camaro's in there even, and but neither one, none of those three are going to really challenge Adams for targets. Jo- Rogers has been known historically to to produce a top one or two wide receiver in the league. He targets his top guy, and and I fully expect him to get plenty of red zone touches. However. I do not. I, I don't think I would go with, with Adams there. My pick's going to be Michael Thomas. I think that the way that that offense moves, I know that they have regressed in the passing game as Drew Brees has gotten older, but I think that that has freed up space for Michael Thomas. The other thing about Michael Thomas is you can look at his, his catch rate, uh, one of the best ever in NFL history, and you could expect regression except for the fact that he's done that every single year of his career. He's always been a guy that when he's targeted, he makes the catch. He is the clear number one. Uh, just like Adams, I think Hopkins, there is Will Fuller. There is, uh, I think, well, Kiki Kati is out for the year. Or, Duke Johnson. But they've got Duke there. Johnson. Another guy's going to take targets. And, and I think with Michael Thomas, you've got a clear number one wide receiver that is going to be utilized uh, – multiple times a game he could be looking at more targets than everybody uh of these three i think he has the chance that has the most targets uh, a saints team that ran over 500 plays last year they like to to move the ball offensively through the air that's always been their their mo uh, even as they move more toward the run i still think that michael thomas is your best bet there in terms of security he's he's not had any troubles with health and I just think that with the big big bonus he just got, the big uh, contract, that he's going to really come out and show out this year. So round one, I'm going Michael Thomas. Tyler's got Devontae Adams. Round two, <clears throat> excuse me, round two, you're going to be looking at a couple running backs here. And Tyler and I are, are pretty torn about these three. Again, this is where you get into in the second round, and this is why we're saying that you want to have one of those four guys rather than having to choose from one of these three to be your top running back. If you've gotten to that point and these guys are your top running backs, well, you're not, you're not lost. You, you have some hope. Uh, but we're looking at Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, and Nick Chubb. Tyler, I think all three of them have the potential to be top five guys. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, yeah. They've all, they're all got – clear and defined roles in their offense and they've each got their own question marks surrounding them so that's why they're here and that's why uh that's why we're going to make a decision on it and uh tell you why looking at it at that point in the draft you know i know you guys might point out the guys like Gurley might still be there we think that in this scenario you're probably taking your rb1 uh we're thinking that this is right around the turn you've just taken michael thomas or Devonte adams now you're looking at a running back to be your number one running back. And you want a guy who's going to be a little bit more secure than Todd Gurley. That's why he's not in this uh, conversation. Just wanted to touch on that. But Joe Mixon is a guy that 
for me, I love his upside. Uh, I love what he's able to do with the football. I love that he is a three-down back without question. Uh, you can look at Nick Chubb and you can say, well, you know, we don't know how much of a three-down back he is. He didn't catch many passes in college. We don't know how he's going to do catching passes out of the backfield. We don't know how often he's going to get used out of the backfield. Uh, Juice Landry, uh, Juice is going to get a lot of short yardage opportunities being from the slot. You got Odell Beckham Jr. You got David Njoku. Uh, Hilliard's getting a lot of talk out of camp right now. I don't know how much Nick Chubb is going to be used. The, the format we're judging here is half PPR. In a standard league, uh, I think I might change my opinion. But you look at Dalvin Cook. And again, I, I find the same problem. I don't know how good Dalvin Cook is in the passing game. We haven't gotten a large sample size. He's missed a lot of games, and I understand a lot of that came from one injury. But, but Tyler, you say it all the time, the, the best availability is availability, right? Absolutely. And, and Dalvin Cook just hasn't, hasn't done that for me. I know Joe Mixon missed a couple games last year, but overall he's been, uh, he's been very reliable. He was a, a three-down back. I don't think that Gio Bernard is going to step in and take any touches away from him. The, the one thing I would like to, to look at, and for those of you looking, where, where do I find information? You know, where, do, where do we do our research? Tyler and I use a, a lot of different uh, sites and, and listen to a lot of different people. Uh, we do utilize the Sleeper app pretty often. If you haven't checked it out, go check it out. It's a great app. Uh, obviously, everybody listens to Matthew Barry and those folk every now and then. Uh, I really like to use Pro, uh, Pro Fantasy Focus, uh, PFF. It's a wonderful site. It's worth the, I think, $8 a month, and it gives us a lot of information. It talks about weighted opportunity rather than just touches. And if you look at weighted opportunity, which basically weighs like how good are your opportunities, just a, a carry uh, or a, a carry on the, the your own 30-yard line on third and 15 isn't as valuable as a carry on the seven-yard line you know, on first down. And so they, when looking at the, the weighted opportunity of these players, you know, Joe Mixon comes in at ninth. It is less than what his touches and targets would uh, suggest, but he comes in at ninth on that list, and Dalvin Cook is all the way down at 13. Nick Chubb doesn't even crack the top 20. Um, I think in, in terms of opportunity, it's going to be there. The biggest knock on Joe Mixon, and the reason that he's not a, in my opinion, not a number one is that the Bengals suck. <laughs> the Bengals are not good. They're not a good football team. They don't have a great passing game right now. Andy Dalton is just not a great quarterback. Their offensive line has had its struggles. They've lost a couple players. Uh, one to, to, They drafted a guy. He already got hurt. Clint Bowling retired. Joe Mixon has his question marks due to what is around him. But in terms of opportunity, in terms of being a three-down back who's probably going to lead these three guys in targets, I'm going Joe Mixon. All right, that's fair. I ain't mad at you. Um, these are these are three guys that, as we said, I mean, all have incredible opportunities if they can seize them. Um, yeah, I mean, as he said, Joe Mixon is just in not the best situation. He's got a clear and defined role now. Um, you know, I know that, yeah, Gio Bernard getting in there, it just really just, it doesn't, doesn't scare me at all for Joe Mixon there. What does scare me for Joe Mixon is no AJ Green, Andy Dalton just really hasn't been able to progress in his career at all. Um, it, they just, they've just been bad and just, it doesn't lead to a very, efficient outlook for me in terms of Joe Mixon and that just that just makes me worry about you know him picking up an injury here or there um I, I I am worried about Joe Mixon Dalvin Cook man the injuries um I was big in on the Vikings last year I dang I won a league in spite of Kirk Cousins uh but um I, I really still love I really still love what the Vikings are doing up there. I, I think that if Dalvin Cook can just – if he can get some good luck this year with health, I mean, I, the, what he can do, I, I, I think that it's really going to be amazing. And he, he's, it's going to be down to him and Chubb for me here. Um, obviously, the one thing that scares you about Chubb is, is he going to find himself in a 50-50 timeshare come week 9 or 10 or whenever it is they're coming out of that bye and Kareem Hunt is coming off of a suspension. Um, 
There's a lot of people that are worried about that. I, I can't say that I think there's nothing to it, but I do think that if Chubb is having a phenomenal year like he, like I know that he can, I just don't see a way that they just say, hey, you know what, we're just going to immediately take all this work away from you. We're going we're gonna to do this. So, I mean, I think that Kareem Hunt will get in there. He'll be a factor. I don't think that it'll be enough to really make both of them useless. I think that – you know, you got to look at that and you got to say, hey, first to win this league, I've got to make playoffs. And if anything, take Chubb, take all of his production in the first, you know, five or six weeks, and you can look to move him if you want. Um, so, you know, all three of these guys, they're, they're not going to be running backs that you hate to have. They're going to give you production. I think here, honestly, I'm, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook here. And I can't, I can't fault you for that. You, you watch Dalvin Cook run the ball. He's incredible. Uh, again, I, I for me, I, I think that it, it is, like you said, it's the injuries. In, in terms of potential, Dalvin Cook is, is the best runner of the three. Uh, I think we've seen that on film. You can see how good of a runner he is. And, and if you look at the new offensive coordinator, they're, they're gonna, he, he says he wants to run the football. We've heard that before. We'll see. If, it, if he stays healthy for 16 games... I'm probably gonna go come back to eat my words and, and wish I'd taken Cook over Mixon, but put Joe Mixon uh, in Dalvin Cook's position, and you've got a, a top five running back in the league, guaranteed. Easily, but unfortunately, Easily. we are victim of their circumstances, and that's that's what we're dealing with. So we're gonna come around to the third round on the in the on the clock segment here. The three guys we're gonna talk about are Aaron Jones, Damian Williams, Leonard Fournette. All come with their own upside. All come with their own big question marks. Before we talk about those three, there's one guy that's going around this time that I think everybody has a lot of questions about it. And Tyler, you have your own thought process on him. I've got mine. What do you think about Antonio Brown? Well, um, if we're going to take these questions we've been asking ourselves here um, and say that we had to take a receiver in round one, we took our running back in round two, and we're sitting here in round three. Um, you know, you can look at one of these three running backs that we've mentioned here, but honestly, if you're just going to go for that just home run pick, a guy that can still lead the league in receiving, um, really, really change that offense, I, I definitely think that A.B. is a good pick in this round. Um, obviously, we're going to be monitoring the frostbite on his feet, He's not gonna. He's not in danger of retiring or anything because of the helmet stuff. He's already come out and said, you know, that he's he disagrees with the decision, but he's gonna get that worked out. He just really hoping that he can get those feet, those feet uh, right for the new season and uh, and really put together a big one. And that's that's where I'm at on that. I, I I'm not upset about taking AB in the third round at all. I actually. I believe that Antonio Brown is definitely an Alec pick. That's the kind of guy, and, and Tyler would agree, that's the kind of guy I'm taking in the third round. Uh, he is a top five receiver talent, top three receiver talent. He's done it year in, year out. Yes, he's in an offense that looks like it could be anemic. We look at what they did with Amari Cooper last year, but I'd also like to point out what they did with an aging Jordy Nelson. You know, Jordy Nelson had a... Uh, Unheralded solid end of the year. Had a pretty had a few pretty good games in the season. And Antonio Brown is twice the player that a 33-year-old uh, Jordy Nelson was. <clears throat> Me personally, I'm taking the, the risk on Antonio Brown. And that's also why I have some leagues where I end up in the bottom half. Because I like <laughs> to take that kind of risk. And that's obviously not always the best formula for winning fantasy football. But I think that if Antonio Brown is healthy... As the reports are coming out that everything's going out going okay so far, I think just this past weekend, uh, Gruden and, and Carr said that you know, he looked great in walkthroughs and his, his retention is incredible. So I, I personally, if it's coming down to it and Antonio Brown is there to me in any part of the third round, I'm taking the, I'm taking the shot. No questions asked, easy decision. However, if Antonio Brown's not there, you're looking at these three guys. They're all three going around the very beginning of the third round. Our ADPs that we're using, uh, for those of you wondering at home, is off of Sleeper app. So you can pull up your Sleeper app and look at the ADPs there. Um, but we're looking, at, we're looking at Aaron Jones, Damian Williams, and Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette's ADP is 26.9. 
Damian Williams is 25.1, and Aaron Jones is 29.1. They're ranked. They're, they're going 26, 27, 28, right there together. Uh, Devonta Freeman's right behind them, but I, I think that I think Tyler and I would both rank Devonte Freeman over all three of these guys. Yeah. So we're looking at Aaron Jones, Damian Williams, Leonard Fournette because it's real muddled for me. And, and Tyler, I think you'll agree that it's a muddled situation at that point as to who we want to take. Mm-hmm. What's, your, what's your take on – we'll start with Leonard Fournette. Tyler has a history with Leonard Fournette uh, from our washed-up has-beens league. He can talk about that a little bit, but I want to get your take on him. You, you've got, you're familiar with him. What do you think of Leonard Fournette in this situation? Well, I mean, he's a violent runner. You loved watching what he did in college at LSU – I mean, you you knew that this guy had the potential to be a great fantasy running back. And he had a great rookie season, albeit not very efficient, but it gets the job done, and that's all that you ask. I mean, it's not about uh, how you get there. It's just that you got there, and he, he really, he really you know, cemented himself in some people's hearts after his rookie season. And unfortunately, that led to uh, a lot of disappointed owners last year who drafted him uh, probably around the first round turn, first, second round turn, and, man, just dealt with just his nonsense. I mean, the team suspended him for one game. I mean, he's always got an ankle injury. The guy cannot stay healthy. I don't know what the deal is. It's just he's got some tiny, girly little ankles, I guess. I don't know. Um I, He's, he's actually a guy who I've heard has had a really good camp this year. Um, they're expecting him to really rebound this year. But honestly, with these three, I just, I just don't know. I mean, you got to look at the offense. Of course, they got Blake Bortles out of there. They brought in St. Nick. And uh, there, there's potential there for sure. Um, and that's why you're finding him here in the third round, whenever he's a guy that could definitely be an RB1 and, you know, a top eight running back maybe, you know, if everything went right for him. The problem is he just cannot stay healthy. I'm probably ruling him out out of these three initially. And I think that all three of these guys in the third round, they they definitely have that potential, but for different reasons. Leonard Fournette, we've seen it. We've seen that he can be a top ten guy. Aaron Jones, we've seen the talent that he can be a top ten. You saw what he did last year when they gave him the football. When Aaron Jones got the football last year – he was a top 10 guy. Damian Williams, when he was given the role, we have a short sample size, but we know that the Chiefs running back is a top 10 guy. The question then becomes, is Damian Williams that guy? The question in Green Bay, is Aaron Jones going to be given the football? That's, that's the biggest knock on him is, is he going to get the touches he needs? And with Leonard Fournette, it's like Tyler said, can he stay healthy? Can he stay out of trouble? Can he... Just play football. If he just plays football, he's he's a hell of a player. Yeah. And he is definitely capable of being RB1. I think that I, I'm, I'm out on Damian Williams. Uh, I'll tell you why. One, I don't like what I hear from out of camp. I, I don't like that he missed some time, and Andy Reid obviously wasn't too happy uh, with the fact that he missed some time. And Darwin Thompson is taking advantage of the opportunity he's been given. And I think that if Damian Williams doesn't come out and produce the way that he should, Darwin Thompson's going to get his shot. I don't think Carlos Hyde is a, in a conversation for anything in, this, in that backfield. But even if we take away a, a few of Damian Williams' potential opportunity you know, touches and targets, that's enough to put him securely behind these two guys. So I'm, I'm out on Damian Williams. I'm not confident in what I'm hearing about him. And I think his small sample size last year is not enough to warrant where you're going to take him right here. Now, you know, I'm choosing between Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette. I've said before I like the risk. I like to uh, take a risk on, on the, the most potential, and I think that Leonard Fournette has the most potential in this situation. I think personally I, I'd probably end up with Fournette here. I think if it came down to between Jones and Fournette, I'm going to end up with Fournette. I, I don't know what you uh, your take between Jones and, and Williams is, but, but uh, I have a feeling you're an Aaron Jones guy. <laughs> well, uh, Aaron Jones is a guy that I had on pretty much every one of my rosters um, last year in fantasy, and he's a guy that I had to stick with because it took a long time. A long time. For them to week finally. Eight? Week eight, somewhere around there? Man, it, it, it could have been later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, he finally started getting the, getting the job done, getting the work. I mean, it's definitely between Damian Williams and Aaron Jones here. 
I mean, they're both going to be in very high volume offenses, which is great. I mean, that's that's you know one of those things said about Fournette is you just you really don't know how that whole thing's going to work out. It's going to be the first year for Nick for Nick Foles there, um, and the health. But one thing that you can't question about Damian Williams or Aaron Jones is that they are going to be in offenses that put up points and create opportunities and. Really, I mean, Damian Williams is a guy that he's he's kind of fallen a little bit for sure. Just all the all the buzz coming out of camp and this and that. I mean, I, I know that Andy Reid is he's kind of he's kind of waffled on on what I've what I've seen from in terms of quotes. You know, one time he's saying Damian Williams is our is for sure our guy. Another time he's talking about well, I could see that you know us going with kind of a committee approach. Stuff like that is definitely uh, not not fun to hear. Um, I mean, it would be really hard to pass up on a guy like Damian Williams here with the potential of that offense. But I do think that I would be going Aaron Jones here just because of his absurd efficiency that he had last year. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know that just his per-touch output was just great. Um, and I, I just really hope that LaFleur is going to come in there and not do this crap that, <laughs> that McCarthy was doing about just not – Jamal Williams is not a letting, good running <laughs> Jamal Williams is not it's a good bad. running back. If anybody uh, needs to needs to question that, it's just ridiculous. It's Jamal bad. Williams was not good, especially in comparison to Aaron Jones. Yeah, so Aaron Jones is my pick. So, I, I uh, again, we're split. Uh, we move on in here into the fourth round. I think we might not be split on the fourth round. Uh, we're going to talk about Melvin Gordon, Marlon Mack, and Chris Carson. Before we do again, we're going to touch on one guy who is going in for in rounds four. We just I just want to touch on him real quick, Tyler, because of the reinstatement this weekend of Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman in the fourth round. Are you in? Are you out? What's what's your take there? Dog, no, Josh Gordon is my guy. Um, I cannot ever resist a Josh Gordon flyer in my draft, and sometimes to the detriment. I mean, literally, I think each of the past like three years. Uh, he's been on my team in some form or fashion, whether it be just through free agency and buzz that he might be getting reinstated with the Browns. And last year, I think I probably drafted him as high as like the fifth round or something in one league. So I've never really been an Edelman guy. He did just get a contract extension. They are going to use him. Um, They've just got that stable of backs there. A lot of them catch passes. The offense is going to hum. There's no Gronk. I think Edelman's going to be great, and, and you can definitely take him here in the fourth round. He's probably not a guy that I'm going to be targeting myself, but that that's just more of a personal bias on my part. I, I think we run along the same thinking there. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to blame you if you take Julian Edelman in the fourth round. I don't think it's a bad pick. It's just not my pick. It's not something that I'm going for. I think with Gronk being gone, there's obviously the opportunity for some more Targets coming his way, but then again, you got to think they just drafted Inkel Harris. Jacoby Myers has looked great and was also very successful for NC State in the slot. I think he, he ranked in the top 10 uh, for uh, reception percentage out of the slot in college. Uh, PFF has him really highly ranked for a slot receiver in college. Jacoby Myers, I don't think he's going to take Julian Edelman's job, but he's going to get some looks. Josh Gordon coming back obviously is not good for for Julian Edelman, especially with the kind of rapport he had with Tom Brady. And then you've got James White, who is a receiver that lines up at running back. Somehow is probably the most overlooked fantasy running back in fantasy football. He's a guy that is, especially in, well, in PPR leagues, he's a top 15 guy. Without question, James White is a top 15 guy in PPR fantasy football. Yet for some reason he falls. We should be he, talking about him in should, one of these we rounds. We but should he's, be. He's we not. Just, he doesn't get the respect. He does not. And then, and so you you look at that, and, and for me, I just I'm not I'm not I'm not feeling Edelman this year. But if you take him in the fourth round, we don't we don't think less of you. Now the the topic is Melvin Gordon, Marlon Mack, Chris Chris Carson. Obviously, Melvin Gordon is the top talent of these three guys. Melvin Gordon is in the best situation as of these three guys. Melvin Gordon's also sitting at home right now. What's your what, what's your outlook on the situation, Tyler? It's not good. It's not good. Um, I think that they've seen enough from Eckler. Um, they've got enough weapons. They've got Hunter Henry coming back this year. 
Um, we saw him a little bit at the end of last year. Obviously, Keenan Allen has finally stopped that bad run of luck with injuries, um, just absurd injuries uh, that earned him that, uh, you know, injury-prone tag. But, I mean, I, I think that they're, they're going to be more than happy to wait this one out, and it's just going to be on whether Gordon is going to cave in or not. And I think that at this point he's dug in, and it's probably a pride thing, and I, I, I could see him sitting out for uh, at least half the season, uh, whatever that point is that he can come back. Um, he's going to push it to that, and there's a chance that he doesn't play at all. Yeah, I don't feel good. I, I, I don't, I don't know if Melvin Gordon's going to play. I don't think he shows up week one. I don't think he shows up week two. I think that if he shows up at this point, it's going to be at the deadline that he has to show up. So that being said, I, I, that for me, and, and, and I'm a risk taker. I can't take Melvin Gordon right here. If I'm at the end of the fourth round, and somehow all three of these guys are available. I'm considering it, and, and especially considering taking them at the turn. But I'm, I'm thinking these three guys are going to be early in the fourth to middle of the fourth, and I'm probably still going to need a running back at this point that I can plug into my lineup week one and, and hope that he can produce for me. I understand the upside behind Gordon, but I just can't really – at this point in round four, I'm probably still looking for somebody that can contribute for me. Um, it's the last call here for, for running backs. It for really is. Backs. It really is. After this point – you're you're you've got you're into backup running backs. You might lo- get lucky and sneak in a Tevin Coleman, a guy who I'm real high on. But really and truly, this is kind of your last shot at a real RB one opportunity. Marlon Mack's a guy I had last year. I pretty much had the entire Colts offense uh, last year. Hilton, Luck, Ebron, and Mack in most of my leagues. I love that offense if Andrew Luck plays. Andrew Luck is obviously going through another scenario right now where uh, we don't know really. The, the Colts do a terrible job of talking about the injury that they that to Andrew Luck and, and what's really going on. I know that, that it looks like there's an ankle issue. So it's hard for me to be all in on Marlon Mack. Chris Carson, however, uh, I think that you and I both agree that Chris Carson is an, a completely – overlooked fantasy football player. I understand that his targets in the past have caused him to have that tag of just being a a running back that that only gets carries on first and second down. However, with the offensive coordinator coming out and saying that he's he's trying to get him 50 targets this year, which is three a game, which is enough to make him, uh, to get him into that fringe RB1, easily RB2 conversation. You could even argue that, that Carson has as much upside as Aaron Jones, Damian Williams, and Leonard Fournette in, in the, the round before. Oh, yeah. Mike Davis is gone. Carson was in, in got the opportunity that you would want from your, your, your second guy in your running back slot. At this point, you, hopefully you've already got a running back by round four. And, and if, if, if I'm plugging Chris Carson into my RB2 slot, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. So I'm going Chris Carson here. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, with Marlon Mack, he's a guy that you know has the talent and he's going to produce. Um, it's just a matter of whether that Colts offense is right. And uh, at this point, it's definitely a big question mark. Andrew Luck's falling um, in drafts because people are worried about it. it it's, it's definitely worrisome. Um, so I, I, I agree with you here. Gordon, just there's too much risk there. I don't think that it's going to work out. I don't, I don't think that he's going to come back. Um, Marlon Mack with the uncertainty around Andrew Luck. Chris Carson in the most run-heavy offense in the league. I, I think he's the no-brainer pick here. Uh, for the first time, we, uh, we're we on the same page. And that moves into round five. This is going to be the last round we're going to do here on episode one. We're going to get away from running backs, and, and this is kind of what we've talked about with the wide receiver depth. In round five, you're looking at guys, in, in ADP, guys that are going, you're looking at guys like Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Chris Godwin. All three of these guys have the opportunity to be 1,000-yard receivers with eight-plus touchdowns, easily. Yep. Woods and Cooks obviously come on the same team, but all three have wide receiver one potential in the fifth round. And this is, again, why we said early on in our draft strategy we're really hoping to get one of those first four picks in the draft so that we don't have to – Worry about filling in running backs later because it'll be a lot easier to fill in wide receiver in this year's draft. Tyler, it's tough for me. I'm a, I'm out on Cooks. I'll go ahead and say that right now. Uh, I don't believe in Brandon Cooks. I don't I don't think he's consistent. I don't think that he is dependable. 
as Robert Woods and Chris Godwin. I, I think Godwin fills a role in Tampa Bay that has produced in the past. I think that he has good rapport with Jameis Winston. He's shown the some outstanding physical tools, and he's he's big enough that in the red zone he can get used. Woods is a, a reliable receiver. He's the most targeted out of that backfield. Um, and, and so I, I personally think that uh, it's between Godwin and Woods, but I'll hear your, your argument for Cooks because I know you'll make one. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, all three of these guys are, are guys that you wouldn't mind having as your wide receiver too at this point. And uh, as you said, I mean, they all have the potential to go for a 1,000. Um, I think that Godwin has the higher touchdown uh, upside for sure. I mean, with Deshaun Jackson out of there, Bruce Arians coming in, looking for Jameis Winston to finally just step up and take another take another step in his in his development, really. Um, I mean, he's a guy who's been known to put up garbage points uh, for fantasy, and Chris Godwin's a guy opposite of Mike Evans that I think is going to have a lot of opportunity. Um, when it comes to Cooks and Woods, no doubt both really good options. Um, I'm a guy that uh, I, I think that while Cooks can – disappear from time to time i think last year he showed probably his most consistent season really um in terms of game to game output for you in fantasy and i mean he's had what three thousand yard seasons in a row with three different teams i mean uh, finally he's going to be sitting here with another year to develop with uh you know his his connection with jared goff uh, obviously, with Todd Gurley, the questions around that, you know, could could that change how that offense runs a little bit? Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm going Cooks here, though, and he's just – he's been kind of one of those my guys for me. So uh, I'm, I'm going Cooks. I, I, I'm, I'm always been out on Brandon Cooks. I just don't – I see the numbers, and, and the stats typically don't back up what I have to say about Brandon Cooks, but I just don't feel very comfortable with a guy like him. I think he's a boomer bust guy that has – you know, been in offenses that have allowed him to boom more often than bust. You know, the Saints, Patriots, and and Rams have all been high flying offenses, and has given him that opportunity to produce. Uh, even if it's one big play where it boosts his fantasy numbers, and he he's good for that. And I get that. I think you get that with Chris Godwin, and I think that with Godwin you also get more security. There's not as much mouths, not as many mouths to feed in Tampa Bay as in as in Los Angeles. And that's why I'm going Godwin over Robert Woods. I had Robert Woods last year. I'm a big Robert Woods guy. I like that he is used in the offense in a multitude of ways. He's not just a burner. He's used in the run game. He's used in short yardage. He's used a lot in the. He was used a lot in the red zone when when Cooper Cup was out. Uh, but I think that Chris Godwin is an all around all around talent. He he's a big guy that can be used in the red zone. He can burn past you. I think the only thing we'll have to see is how he does in those short to mid-range routes. And and I think he's going to have the opportunity, though, to to break 1,000 yards. I think he'll be over 10-plus touchdowns. I think that that Tampa Bay offense is one that we're going to see uh, behind Jameis in a contract year with Bruce Arians. They're, they're going to be one of the top fantasy offenses. You're going to want a lot of those guys, maybe not the running back position, but in the passing game, Jameis Winston, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard – uh, all those guys are going to have an opportunity to really be at the top of their position. And I think Chris Godwin has the highest potential of these three. And and feeling without Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys, lots of receptions to go around. I'm all in on Chris Godwin this year. Got him in a, a keeper league already. In, in fact, I have him in the washed up has-beens league. So hopefully he pays off for me in there. I think I'm a front runner going into the season. That's pretty much how I always feel. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll see. Well, that, that, that rounds up our on-the-clock segment for today. That was rounds one, two, three, four, and five. We're going to just recap real quick. In round one, on the clock, you're choosing between Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, and DeAndre Hopkins. Tyler went Devontae Adams. I went Michael Thomas. Round two, on the clock, you got Mixon, Cook, and Chubb in front of you. Tyler went with Cook. I'm going with Mixon. Round three, you got Jones, Damian, Aaron Jones, Damian Williams, and Leonard Fournette right there in front of you. Tyler's going with uh, Aaron Jones. I'm going with Leonard Fournette. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And then in round four, uh, we've got Melvin Gordon, Marlon Mack, Chris Carson. Tyler and I both agree that, that Chris Carson is the one to go with in, in 
in choosing between those three. And in round five, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Chris Godwin. I'm going Chris Godwin. Tyler's all in on Brandon Cooks. That's more of a, a guys that we've kind of backed for a couple seasons now. I think that we stuck with our allegiances there. Uh, at the end of each, each episode, we want to stop and do something a little off topic, give you a break from fantasy football, a chance to breathe, maybe relax, and realize there are other sports out there. This one's going to be short. We just want to talk about the Premier League, English Premier League kicking off. Tyler's a big Liverpool fan. I'm a big Liverpool fan. Tyler, this year, uh, you know, last last year too, and, and predictably going to happen again this year, Man City and Liverpool are the top two teams in, in the EPL without question. Is Liverpool going to take it this year? Well, I sure hope so, and it's off to a good start. Um, they've won their first two games, and uh, Man City and Tottenham tied yesterday. So, uh, I mean, that, that's the type of stuff that we need. Uh, you got to keep it up all year long, and Man City did a great job down the stretch last year rattling off however many freaking wins in a row to, to just, just hold us off. I mean, Outrageous. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of movement in the Premier League. There's a there's a lot of uh, exciting things happening. Uh, Christian Pulisic at uh, Chelsea is going to be a fun thing to watch all year. Uh, just excited to see the season kick off. Quick question: This is uh, something that was uh, brought up to Peter Crouch, and I, I want to ask you the same question in an interview. Uh, the biggest knock on La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A has been that there's two teams at the top of the table. And those two two teams dominate. Obviously, in La Liga, you're looking at Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid. Uh, Atletico's kind of stepped up as of late, but really, those are premier, you know, primarily the two teams. Bundesliga, you got Bayern Munich and uh, Borussia Dortmund, and Serie A, you're looking at Juve and Inter. Um, is that bad for the EPL? The the the, par- the what used to be some parity has kind of seemed to gone out the window with Liverpool and Man City. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely well. Here in the past decade, I mean, you know, we went from it was the big four. You know, it was Liverpool, it was Man United, it was Chelsea, it was Arsenal. And we saw Man City, um, you know, pay their way into that. And, uh, and, and they've been able to really turn that club into something amazing. Um, you've also seen Tottenham, though, be really good in the last few years. And they got to the, uh, to the Champions League final. I, I think that there's going to be... Uh, there's going to be a lot of competition for sure, but I, I do think that it's clear that Man City and Liverpool are the top teams, and I don't I don't know that it's something that will be sustained. I, th- I think the other guys will, will get it figured out. They're just they're kind of going through some turnover and going through some stuff, and they'll, they'll get it they'll get it figured out here, and it, it'll it'll be back to a, you know more of a four or five team race. Well, thanks, Tyler. That concludes our off topic. Segment that also concludes episode one of the Washed Up Hasbins podcast. We ask that you follow us on Instagram at Washed Up Hasbins. We're going to be doing some bios on all the guys in our and one gal in our Washed Up League. Uh, we also will uh, update with results from the from the league, just so you can keep an eye on what's going on in our league. It's a very interesting league, a lot of rules, and we're going to talk about that on episode two. Also on episode two, we're going to do on the clock for round six through ten. Uh, some really tough decisions in those rounds, and, and you're taking a lot of risk, obviously, with it, not as many sure things as you had in one, two, and three here. So stay tuned for what's coming out from, from Tyler and I. Uh, we might have a guest with us next time from the league. But thanks for listening, and uh, feel free to get at us with any uh, suggestions, any uh, advice you might have for us. Have a good week, guys.